few weeks ago, Pastor asked me with a big smile, so you're going to be here in a couple of weeks? I almost said, no, I think I got something else I'm going to be doing. But So he asked me if I would share tonight, and I said, sure, I'll share our missionary presentation. He's like, um, I'd really like to be there for that. And I'm thinking, oh, brother, okay. Well, so here I am, trying to get arranged. Uh, we want to, I'm pretty sure you do too, we want to thank you for uh, receiving us so well. When we were leaving the field a few months ago, back in May, we wondered where the Lord would lead us. And um, I think Sterling was like third on the list. And, uh, but we came the first night that we were in Michigan and we were well received and several of you have helped us in in different ways uh, and we just are grateful for that the Lord answered the prayer through you and we thank you for that and also it's been a joy to sit under the ministry of your pastoral staff uh, we we've uh, been fed each week it's been a blessing, and you have a treasure. Did you know that? Churches that preach the word or pastors that preach the word are getting fewer and fewer. And praise the Lord, pastors here are preaching the word, and we can thank the Lord for that. And rejoice in the, the weekly feeding that we get from the word of God. It's always a blessing to be able to sit in the service and know that you're going to leave richer than when you came in because of the preaching of the Word of God. And I hope that happens tonight. I have to warn you, I'm not the scholar that Pastor Dwight is. I know that he's been to... Does he have his doctorate yet, Pastor? Oh. It just got worse. But anyway, I thought he was only a master, but he's a doctor. Wow. I've been just saying, hey, Dwight, what's going on? Um, I didn't know his doctor. But anyway, I'll have to call him over because I've been having this pain in my back. <laughs> but um, that's amazing. And um, each week we've been blessed to be a part of the services here. So, like I said, I'm simpler because I'm, first of all, I'm simple, but also because we've been in Brazil for the last 26 years and we've been preaching to new believers, basically, and our messages are, are tailored to new believers, but I wanted to share uh, a story with you tonight, and it's, it's titled, God Literally Spoke, and it's not talking about something from the Bible, but I'll, I'll share that as we go along here. I wanted to start out with that question, does God speak in an audible voice today? Before you jump up and say, hallelujah, <laughs> yes he does, just talk to me this week. we got to think about that. Does God speak in an audible voice today? Now we know that in Bible times, God spoke to many. He didn't speak every week, he didn't speak every day, he didn't speak every year necessarily. There were certain ones that he spoke to. In Hebrews... Chapter 1, I'm not going to use just one text this evening, although the major portion of my text is going to be in Judges chapter 7. But uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, the author wrote, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets. 
in many portions and in many ways. And so, in other words, God spoke through prophets in the Old Testament. He spoke directly to prophets who then shared their message with the people. In the New Testament times, that happens through pastors and teachers. So we know that God spoke to Adam, of course. He spoke to maybe Abel, but he spoke to Cain, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He spoke a lot to Moses. And he spoke to the people through the prophets. They actually heard God's voice. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 says, In these last days, and talking about the days that Jesus Christ walked, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the world. So in the last days that this author was talking about, which was around 2,000 years ago, uh, God spoke through Jesus Christ. He also spoke his message to and through the apostles who had spoken personally with Jesus Christ. So God's major communication today would be what? God's major communication to man these days would be through his word. His word spoken, like we're doing this evening. His word word preached. Uh, his word taught, as happens in Sunday school. His word memorized. He prayed and sang. God speaks to us through his word. We Baptists reject comments like this. God told me, or God revealed to me in a dream, or maybe I heard God say, we, we reject that because we understand that revelation from God in verbal form ceased in the time of the apostles. Get my cell phone as a paperweight here. So we understand that the Bible is a closed book. What do I mean by that? The Bible is a book that from Genesis to Revelation has all that God has for us these days. We're not going to hear a voice from God. Uh, we're not going to dream a dream where God is going to reveal something specific to us that's not already written in Scripture, because the Bible is a closed book in that way. There's not going to be anything added to it. From Genesis to Revelation, we have all that God intended for our spiritual instruction. So when we look at the book of Re from Genesis through Revelation, we read different situations, we read circumstances, we read instruction, we read uh, how God responded, how people reacted, and we know that these messages in Scripture, properly interpreted in their specific settings, are God's instruction for us today. So the Bible is sufficient. We don't need a further revelation from God because the Bible has what we need for our spiritual growth. The Bible is inerrant. That means what? Without error. The Bible has no errors. The Bible is true. The Bible is truth. The Bible is living. It's the only living book, and it's powerful. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Can anyone cite that? Okay, Awana Clubbers, 
for the word of God is living and active or powerful, however you read, if you memorize, memorize it in the King James, it's gonna be a little bit different. And sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit. Why didn't he just put one or the other? Because that's really created, hmm, is there a difference between the soul and the spirit? But it, this, the word of God divides that soul-spirit joints marrow and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the Bible is sufficient. God's revelation is determined or it's fixed. There's a verse in Psalm 119. Now you remember Psalm 119 is that chapter in the Bible that talks about the Bible. The whole Psalm is about God's word. And it says in verse 89, forever, O Lord, your word stands in heaven. The word of God is fixed. The word of God is permanent. It is truth and it is permanent truth. It's not going to change. So the sufficient, sufficient, well, that's hard to say, the sufficient, the sufficiency of scripture is foundational. It's a foundational doctrine or teaching. Doctrine and teaching are actually the same word. If you hear the word doctrine, we're talking about teaching. So scripture is sufficient. In Baptist circles, there should be no dispute about that. I know that Baptists, there are all kinds of, all flavors of Baptists, but if if a church is claiming to be a true Baptist church, one of our fundamental doctrines is the sufficiency of Scripture. We're known as people of the book. Now, I've stated that clearly, right? The Bible is sufficient. We need no further word from God. We do not need to expect to hear God whisper in our ear, or sometimes we'd like to do that, but uh, we don't need that extra revelation. However, in stating that, I want to share a story with you. Uh, the story is true, and the story happened to me. Be leery when somebody says that, but listen to what I have to say, and then you draw your conclusions. I wrote it a few years ago because it happened a few years back, but I, I started out this way. When was the last time God literally spoke to you? Uh, I've used a agri, not agricultural, but what do you when you when you work with rocks and stones and things like that? What is it called? Ar archaeology. Geology. I used geological terms. I didn't even know how, what it was. But anyway, um, discouragement of ministry is easily excavated commodity. It's rarely buried very deep and usually discovered in large and small aggregate. I was really waxing eloquent when I wrote this. I probably used the thesaurus a lot. But um, it comes in maybe a broken promise or an uncompliant congregation, a relational chasm, or an erosion of confidence. One Sunday, for me, it was the burden of a message that I was going to preach on dedication to God. And I was preaching it to seemingly a flint-hearted 
audience that repelled my enthusiasm for being a missionary. I, I got discouraged and I was like, it's not working out. We were at our second church plant, Hope Baptist Church. An intriguing aspect of the evening experience was something that I almost overlooked. Uh, you, might, you might have uh, balked at the title of this story, God Literally Spoke, but listen to what, what happened. Just before the message, I was outside the church pacing in the driveway. Uh, some of you, I don't think anybody here has been to our church now. I know that Pastor Albright was there. He helped actually helped build it. Uh, Joanna Albright was there. Dave Southern was there. Um, John Sansatera was there. So people that have been related to this church or a part of the church in the past were there. But that church had a long driveway, about 150 feet, and it kind of sloped up toward a main avenue that went in front of the church. I was pacing in that avenue, and I could hear the hymns in the church being sung. So the service was underway, and I was next on, but uh, I was praying for God's power. I was praying for God's direction. Uh, I was anxious about the lack of visitors. We'd had, we had done some type of a campaign where we handed out flyers or whatever, and we were expecting a large number of visitors, and the normal crowd was there, and the normal crowd was about 30 people, so I was disappointed about that. As I reached the end of the driveway, I looked up and down the street for the possibility of arriving visitors. I figured somebody's got to be coming. It's 7 o'clock. What is it, 7? 6 o'clock. And uh, if they're Baptists, they're probably going to be late. So maybe, maybe they're coming. But I didn't see anybody. But I noted two ladies who were obviously dressed for church. And each of them have a, had a Bible in their arm. So I was kind of hopeful. And they were engrossed in a conversation with each other, and they were, they were kind of passing. And as I got closer, I saw the type of dress that they were using, and I figured, hmm, they're, they're going to another church. They barely even noticed that I was at the, at the front gate looking out. The gate was, was an open gate, so they could have seen me. Uh, as one of them glanced my way, I said, good evening. But without acknowledging that she had seen me or heard me, she casually turned to her friend and continued the rest of her sentence, and it was what she said in that sentence that stunned me. Now, like a good storyteller, I'm going to put it on pause for a little bit, and we're going to go to the book of Judges, chapter 7. If you want to open your Bible there, we're going to be reading verses 9 through 15, but I have to set a little background to the, this chapter. You'll remember that the Midianites are invading the land, and God has come to Gideon and told him that he's going to be used to conquer the Midianites. And you remember that he was actually hiding while he was threshing wheat in the, in the wine press area, and he had set out his fleece to prove that God really was talking to him, and he did it two different times. You know, you remember the story about that. But then you remember uh, how he had successfully recruited 32,000, apparently 32,300 soldiers to fight against the Midianites. 
a pretty good number, except for the fact that the Midianites were numbering right around 120,000. I, I printed out little tiny men one time, the size of letters of the alphabet, and I printed out 122,000. It was pretty cool because we had the kids come up and each one of them had a, a, a printer sheet with them. And there was like 40 kids in the front of our church with the Midianites. And then there was the one poor kid that got the 300 uh, men that were with Gideon. It's, it's quite impressive. If you, put, if you put dots on a page and you see the enormity of that battle, you think, my word. 120 grand versus 32,000. That's not going to work out very good. So Gideon needed some encouragement. So what did God do? He said, there's too many. You've got too many. Not the Midianites. You have too many. If I let you beat the Midianites, you'll go home saying, look what we did. So let's do the following. Tell any of the men that are afraid that they can go home. Now, I think that the average army recruit would say, yeah, I'm going to go. And that's exactly what happened. 22 grand left and went back home. I'm sure that Gideon was thrilled about that possibility. But God said, wait a minute, there's still too many. There's still that possibility that you could win the battle. And I don't want you thinking that it's you. I want them to know that it was me. So do the following. Take the men down to the stream and let them drink. The ones that kneel down and lap like this with their hands will stay. The ones that get down on all fours and suck water out of the river will go. One Sunday school teacher years ago said to me, or said to us boys and girls, those men that lapped were more alert and they were looking around. They were like your security team, always alert and looking for any kind of danger. That wasn't it at all. That was not it. God was just using that method to separate the crowd. And how many left in that one? Ten more thousand. <laughs> so Gideon's went from 32,300 to 300. Now let's go to uh, starting in verse 9 of chapter 7. I'm going to read for you. Now on the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, to Gideon, Arise, go down again against the camp, for I have handed it over to you. But if you're afraid to go down, go with Pura, that's my Portuguese accent, Pura, your servant, to the camp, so that you will hear what they say. And afterwards, you will have the courage to go down against the camp. So he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outposts of the army that was in the camp. Now you can imagine them sneaking down, and they're going down to this massive camp where it said that the camels were as the sand of the seashore. He was using hyperbole, of course, but it, there was a mass of people here. And he's sneaking down. He comes to the camp in a random spot. And we'll continue the reading here. See, So he went down with his servant, and they came to the camp. Now the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, 
We can't necessarily relate to that, but they were covering the ground. And their camels were without number, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Now, not really, but he's using hyperbole to say there was a lot of them. There was an enormous amount of, of military gear here. When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend. Now listen to this. Out of this massive amount of people, they come to one guy that's talking to one of his friends, and he's relating a dream that he had. And he said, behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian, and it came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned upside down so that the tent collapsed. Now imagine this. A giant bagel comes out of nowhere and crushes a tent. Okay, that sounds like one of my dreams. A giant bagel crushed a tent. So what happened? Listen to the interpretation. And his friend replied, This is nothing other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has handed over to him Midian and all the camp. My word. That guy was really an interpreter of dreams. He did not know it, but he was being used by God to encourage Gideon. Because look what happened to Gideon. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. He said, it's going to work after all. After all my tests, the fleece twice, and now I'm coming and I'm hearing this amazing interpretation of this weird dream. He bowed in worship. And then he returned to the camp of Israel and he said, Arise, for the Lord has handed over to you the camp of Midian. That seems like it would have been a hard sell, but he was so enthused that the men took his word, and you know the rest of the story. It came to a tremendous battle, and their weapons were pitcher and a torch or something. How did that work? Didn't beat anybody over the head with it. The guys started killing each other. But what my point in this story is, is that God encouraged Gideon. In a weird way, it was this random person and his random friend that said very little, and yet it was God's word to Gideon. Now let's go back to my story. There I was at the gate of the church, wringing my hands because we had no visitors, because I felt impotent in ministry and things didn't seem to be working out the way that they should have. And as the ladies approached, one of them looked at the other and she said, she was saying it to me, it's all in God's hands. I'm like, oh, thank you. That woman was used by God to say to me, don't worry about it. It's all in God's hands. Just do what you should do, and I'll take care of it. Isn't that cool? Is it time to quit? Oh, is that your phone? 
You're supposed to turn that off. It's all in God's hands. I never saw that woman again. Don't know who it was. She never came to our church. I, I didn't bow in worship, but I said, my word, thank you, Father. That was so encouraging. That was a blessing. So what's the application to all this? should wait on the street corner for some random person to go by and give you some kind of word and then you go play the lottery, win the money, and you can tithe. No, that's not it. First of all, don't expect God to speak to you verbally unless you're hearing his word preached or taught. When you know how God nudges you, you're reading your Bible and all of a sudden a verse pops out at you and you're like, wow, that was just exactly what I needed today. Or that, that I'd never seen that before. Does that happen to you? That's God speaking to us. Or someone encourages you to do something. Years ago, what happened to me was a missionary came to our church and said, if you feel God could use you in any way, come on forward. And that stunned me because I wasn't ready for that one. I thought, oh my goodness, I guess he could use me some way. He is God. He can take care of it. So be ready. Be alert. Listen when God's word is preached. Because verbal communication from God doesn't happen today. This reminds me of Revelation chapter 22, verse 18, that says this. I testify, this is John, to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. That's at the very end of the Bible. And, and, and uh, John is saying, don't mess with the word. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2 says, You shall not, this is God speaking to, to Moses, or Moses speaking to the people, you shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, so that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today. That's Moses speaking to the people. Also, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you, and you will be proved a liar. So we should never ask God for a verbal, verbal word. And I had written down here that we shouldn't even ask for a sign. Sometimes we were, were tempted to do that. Just give me a sign. Just kind of tell me what I need to do here. We shouldn't do that. When people talk to us, give us counsel, and we can listen to that, and we can filter it through the word of God in order to discover his will, but we should never ask for a literal verbal word from God. Rather, we should seek direction in his word through prayer, through godly counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in the abundance of counselors, there is salvation or safety. So it's not wrong for us to uh, seek counsel from our brothers and sisters in Christ, but don't just go to one person that you think is going to favor your point of view and be happy with that. No, ask different people. Ask them to pray for you. Ask them to give you help. Seek your, the advice of your pastoral staff. 
your deacon. This is one of the reasons that Baptist Missions, uh, Baptist Mid-Missions, our mission board, requires a full blessing from a, a prospective missionary's church because they, they want to know that people have been observing you as a missionary or a prospective missionary, realizing that you've been growing in your walk with God and that you're not seeking whatever information from wherever, but that you're actually involved in ministry and you're serving the Lord. So all of this understood we also know that god uses circumstances and even at times seeming random conversations in giving us help or encouragement circumstances has god ever put you in a circumstance where you realize that this is god working in my life this is where i should be right now to be able to hear exactly what god wants for me i'm hearing it preached or taught or spoken in love to me, and this is what God wants for me. So that woman had no idea that she was being used by God to encourage me. And as I entered the church, I went up to the platform. As I came up to the pulpit and turned around, I noticed that through the back door, nine visitors came into the church that night. That was a second blessing. I, wasn't, I thought, wow, no visitors. And for the first time, we had nine people come in together as a group, and we, they were visiting for the first time, and it was, it was a real blessing. So it was an incredible answer to prayer and a, another encouragement. So, conclusion. Can I conclude early? Will I get docked in my pay if I do? <laughs> Last week I was at Maranatha and the pastor, he said, well, there's cake. So the quicker you get done, the quicker you're gonna have cake. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Tell what he was there for. But anyway, uh, be instant in your prayers. That means be praying. Be up to date in your Bible reading. Sometimes I get on people about checking the box for their Bible reading, but you know, that is, that shows consistency. Read your Bible and check that box. Expect things from God from his word. Be, be in the word each day. Be alert and attentive to the Holy Spirit's leading and encouragement. Sometimes you'll just know it's the Holy Spirit because it's this thing like God wanted Gideon to do, this radical thing that you are going to save the people from the Midianites, this horde, you that are hiding in the wine press are going to save the people and you're going to be like mm, really if it's that hard it's probably the holy spirit don't discount that and like i said at the beginning you have a gift here with your pastoral staff the word is preached your sunday school teachers study the word they, they spend time in preparation so that they can share the word with you, not just because, not just to, to say, hey, look at me, I've studied the word and I know more than you do. No, it's to help you understand more about the word of God so that you know what God wants for you and how you can use that for his service and glory. So they're a blessing. They're, your Sunday school teachers are a blessing. You guys have a lot of theologians in this church. It kind of makes me nervous when I get up and preach because some people are taking notes like no that's not right he that's not nothing to do with that i'm not looking at you andy i'm looking at 
Maybe I am. But anyway, so it's a blessing to be a part of a group of people where you are under the preaching of the Word of God. And as your pastor shares or as your Sunday school teacher shares, guess what? You can take notes. That encourages both. That not only encourage, you're not just doing it to encourage them, but you're doing it so that you can meditate on it more. Now, not necessarily will you ever go back and look at those notes again, but when, you, when you're being preached at and you're taking notes, it helps you to think and put it on paper so that you can think about it during the week. And the Lord will be faithful in bringing back interesting questions that you have during the week, and he'll be willing to answer those questions as you seek answers. So all of this is to encourage you. This is to encourage you not to go out on the street corner and wait for a random person to come up to you and start talking to you, but to be aware that God is in control. He's omnipresent. He's sovereign. And the things that happen to us on a daily basis are not by accident. They're on purpose. Just today, taking the dog for a walk, go by this guy's house, got some loud music going. And uh, he sees my dog. My dog's a street dog we brought from Brazil, but he's really, really, really fluffy. And uh, he's like, oh, that dog's adorable. Does he need some water? I'm like, sure, why not? So struck up a conversation and found out the guy's a believer. And uh, he even gave me some water. I thought that was pretty cool. He didn't say I was cute, but he just. But anyway, be encouraged by these words. God loves you. He wants to communicate with you. And if you're really down and needing help, he wants to encourage you like he did Gideon. You are a mighty man of valor, and you're going to be used. And Gideon's like, who, me? What in the world are you talking about? This ain't me. But God will do that. And he will encourage us mostly through his word. So be in the word. That's, that's the, the final application. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for how you uh, speak to us through your word, how you help us understand your word. We know that many these days are looking for answers, and we know that we have the answer book and that your Holy Spirit, the author of the scriptures, dwells within us so that he can use us and he can instruct us, he can encourage us, and help us to be uh, soldiers, warriors, or friends. And we pray that we will be those things to the people around us, Father. Help us to look for opportunities to share what the Lord is doing in our lives. And we pray that you would help us to be alert in our Bible reading, also in our prayer time and in our study, that we will uh, listen to your Holy Spirit and that we will expect answers and that you will just guide us in ways that will help our, our prayer life and our spiritual life to grow. And we also pray for our church, Father, that you would bless, help us to be ministers in this neighborhood. We thank you so much for Bible school and how you're blessed in that special time. And we just pray that you would use the seed that were planted, Father. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.